If you missed the DSO Connect Retreat in Cape Coral, Florida back in July, you missed a whole weekend full of amazing, inspiring content to help you get organized and have a wildly successful season. For a limited time, we're offering our retreat replay for an unheard of $99. The amount of information and inspiration packed into this online course is easily worth 10 times that, but we're slashing the price temporarily to make it a no-brainer choice for you. Now that your season is underway, carve a little time out of your schedule to work on your business and not just in your business. The retreat replay could be just the thing. Seminar topics from this year's retreat include systematizing your studio using the five pillars of your business, ways to wow your customers, budgeting, creating a killer sales process, early childhood development and teaching tips, middle and high school classroom ideas, transitioning to the helm, and setting and achieving goals. To learn more and to grab your copy of the DSO Connect Retreat Replay today, go to dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the Retreat Replay tab. Don't wait because the $99 price tag won't last long. Welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Casey, and I have a very special guest with us today. It is Miss Bonnie Sita. Hello, Bonnie. How are you? Great, Casey. How are you doing today? I am great. I am great. I am so excited to have you on today. Um, Bonnie, tell us where your studio is located. Yes, we're located in Oakland, California, beautiful Northern California. Fabulous. And let me go ahead and read your bio for our listeners. Bonnie Sita has been involved in the dance studio industry for over 40 years, inspiring over 10,000 kids to be more confident. She founded the East Bay Dance Center in 1990 and has built it from zero to a six-figure business. In 2015, she cracked the code on packaging for profit and was able to create over $500,000 in new income with a unique program. She now teaches this to other studio owners worldwide, giving back to the industry to empower them to charge what they are worth and to advocate for kids through the Confident Kid Revolution. I love that. And I love your focus on building confidence in kids because that is really the core of what we do as studio owners. Absolutely. Absolutely. So 40 years, that's quite impressive. (laughs) Right. I'm sure a lot has changed in the dance studio world in that amount of time. Oh, oh, amazing. I mean, first of all, you know, when I started the business, we were getting leads from the yellow pages. Okay. Right. That just kind of gives you an idea of what a dinosaur I am. (laughs) I love it. That's so great. Oh my gosh. And I'll bet you're not doing yellow page ads anymore. No, absolutely not. I mean, you know, I've had to like jump on the technology bandwagon and learn all the stuff. (laughs) Yeah. How's that learning curve been for you? Um, It's been, it's been a lot, you know, but it's been good. I think, I think um, the studio business has kept me young in so many ways, you know, Mm. mentally, you know, not just teaching, which in in itself is so rewarding and life enhancing, but also just having to learn all the new things that are, that are coming around. And yeah, I'm sure a lot of our listeners who are veteran studio owners can relate to that for sure. (laughs) And I think for all of us, you know, uh, most of us started out, um, not knowing very much about business, you know, I mean, and exactly. that's kind of one of the things that I've had to teach myself, you know, inside the business about business. And I think, you know, it's great experience because, um, 
you know, when I think about like a beginning dance student and how they feel when they come in my class and they don't have any skills, that's kind of the way I had to approach myself and say, okay, you don't have any of these skills, but you're yes. going to learn. You can learn, you can do this. That is so true. That is so true. And I, I think so many dance studio owners and probably definitely the majority, if not like more than 90% enter into this life of, of entrepreneurship with a passion for dance, a passion for educating, a passion for kids, but not a whole lot of business sense or experience at all. And so that's the main reason I started DSO Connect in the first place was to give studio owners that support in the business side of things. You know, there's so many resources out there for dance educators and how to be better teachers, but there's, you know, not as many resources on the business side of things. So that's, that's the whole reason why I started this, this, this whole endeavor in the first place. So glad to have you along. Right. And it's important that dance studio owners help other dance studio owners, you know, because we're a different kind of pencil in the box, right? Because as you said, most of us got into this because we had a passion for dance and for kids and for people and we're creative, right? Brain people. Mm -hmm. And then we're trying to force ourselves into these like, you know, um, things that were created by, you know, engineers and software people. And it's like, we're and not, accountants. we don't think that way. We don't think that way. No. So we use our creativity. That's what I encourage, you know, my clients that I work with on, in my coaching business is to use that out of the box thinking yes. that you used to, you know, what you would choreograph a dance choreograph your business. Oh, I love that. Choreograph your business. Yes. There's the podcast episode title right there. There we go. <laughs> and, and no, and we'll be sitting down for the whole entire thing. There'll be no, <laughs> there'll be no steps involved. It will all be within your own brain. I love that. I love that. So tell us about your studio. What kind of vibe do you have? Are you more recreational? Yes. Are you a conservatory? What kind of studio do you have? Right. We're very recreational. Mm-hmm. We went the competition route for a little while, a few years, you know, back when we had some kids that were wanting to do that. And, you know, but we, we really focus on um, building more confident kids through dance. Mm-hmm. You know, another part of our business, you know, that I will delve into because I think it's a, an important piece is um, that we're very parent focused. And mm-hmm. when I say parent focused, what I mean is we are in the business of supporting parents, you know, partnering with parents helping parents to build more confident kids to fill up their kids you know free hours with something that's that's positive that's going to get them off the screen that's going to get their kids into like more healthy you know physical activities and stuff like that so I never want to forget that the parents are the clients I'm going to talk about that a lot on this podcast too and how can we partner with parents how can we actually speak parents love language, you know, Mm. which is all about their kid, right? Yeah. I was was on another podcast last week. I'll get back to talking about my studio. I promise. (laughs) I was on another podcast last week where, um, you know, I was mentioning this guide and um, they said, oh, parents love language. Is that like the book, you know, where there's like the four love languages and everything? I go, no, because parents only have one love language. It's like, what's in it for my kid? Right, right. right. When it it comes to a a service for their children, it's all about their kids. It's all about that. And it's about how can you make it more convenient? Mm -hmm. Those those are the two things. What are you going to do for my kid? And how are you going to make my life easier? Yes. Period. End of conversation. But, you know, so as far as my business, you know, as I said, I start, well, I've been in the studio industry for 40 years. I was, you know, teaching for other people and, you know, traveling around with the, okay, I'm going to date myself again with the, uh, 
not not CDs with a cassette tape player. Yes, and, yes <laughs> portable cassette tape player and a, and a box of cassettes and, a, and my dance bag traveling from city to city, studio to studio, teaching, et cetera. And um, and then I started also a dance company. So um, I was looking for like a home studio, like a home base. I really just wanted to get like a home base for my dance company mm-hmm. because we were renting space and then the Nutcracker would come and we'd get kicked out. Oh, we right. Space, right? So, and was this like an adult professional performing company? Yes, correct. Yes, cool. correct. Right. So and then the teaching to me was like, that's how I'm going to make my bread and butter. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Anyway, I ended up getting a dance studio and then, and I realized I knew nothing about this dance studio business, like, like zero. Okay. And so it was like a complete learning process. You know, I, um, went along for years and years until my, um, I had a partner, well, not really a partner. He wasn't really a business partner, but he was like the assistant director of the school Mm -hmm. and he was doing most of the ballet and he ended up, um, kind of stabbing me in the back and, taking the students. I know uh, everybody knows the story. Tale you know. as old as time. <laughs> right, right. So I had to reinvent everything. And I think that's when I sort of started really focusing on more of the business end of it and how could I be more profitable. Yes. And, um, you know, just kept going along those lines. Things were going well. Um, enrollment was increasing. You know, and then I noticed something very strange that was happening in my business. This was like maybe about six, seven years ago, where, you know, when we used to have afternoon classes, you know, moms would bring their kids to classes and whatnot. And suddenly there were no moms in the studio in the afternoons because everybody had two jobs. And I don't know how it is for other people in their areas, but in California, this is a this is probably the highest cost of living state in the um, entire country. And everybody is working. And I mean, like working a lot, you know? Um, and so, so all of those classes were falling off. And I started thinking to myself, you know, how can I, um, how can I solve this problem? You know, this, so this is where it goes to the out of the box thinking, like, you know, like one um, part would go like, okay, you know, do more ads, you know, get more people. But I was like, no, this is really like, I need to look at this from a different point of view, from the parents' point of view, like what is going on because they're the clients. So I started interviewing parents. Well, actually, wait, back up a little bit. So I had an idea. This was like, mm, maybe 10 years ago, I had this idea. And no, no, it was more than 10 years ago because I had the idea for about nine years before I implemented it. Okay. So one thing I want to say is if you have an idea for something better in your studio, try it. What do you got to lose? So for nine years, I was thinking, what if I could pick the kids up at their schools? What if I could pick the kids up at their schools? But how am I going to do that? I'll have to have a van or I'll have to hire a van or like, what about the insurance? So I just kept talking myself out of it right? because it was scary. It was new. Nobody had ever done it. You know, this kind of thing. So fast forward about another like nine years, you know, I I buried this idea under um, a pile of, I can't do it, you know? And, but I kept having the same problem, you know, that 
uh, everybody went across on Saturday and in the evenings. And I was like, you can't just do everything on Saturdays in the, and in the evenings, right. especially like with little kids. Yeah. You know, I, was like, I don't want to see a five-year-old at like six o'clock. Absolutely night. not. No, thank you. <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. You know, um, so, so anyway, I, I, I decided to do market research with the parents, not, not like a huge survey, but I started talking to parents, particularly ones that were already in my studio. Mm-hmm. And everybody kept saying the same thing. I'd pay almost anything if somebody would pick my kid up at school. Wow. I was like, bingo. That was the idea that you buried, you know, under all those, I can't do it. Okay. You got to do this. Like, I had no idea how to do it. There was no prototype. Um, I made a lot of mistakes my first year out, second year out, fine tuned it. Five years later, I had made $500,000 in new revenue. Wow. That is amazing. And, you know, if I had done it nine years prior, you know, then I, would have had a million, right? You know, so so it's amazing. So, but what's even more amazing is that um, out of that experience, I created a whole new way of thinking about things. Mm. And I call this packaging for profit. You know, packaging for profit means what can I, so here's the problem as I see it in the dance studio industry. We have a very high end overhead. You know, you have to have a large building, you have to have teachers, insurance, but it's a very low end product. When you think about how much the average dance class sells for, right. it's not very much. And, you know, in talking with people who have competition um, studios and whatnot, it's an even higher end, you know, like there's all those fees and costumes right. and everything. And some people do manage to, you know, package it so that they get the parent to absorb the cost. But a lot of studios actually are losing Losing money money on on their competition end. Yeah. 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 So that's why I focus on my recreational program, which I'm quite happy with. Um, And it also fits in with my, with my values of Mm -hmm. building more confident kids. Cause I feel like the kids who aren't in the dance studio are the ones that I want to get in the dance studio. And that's where my after-school program worked perfectly because not only did it allow me Okay, it was a win, win, win. It was a win for the parents because it solved their problem. Yeah. You know, like they don't have to bring the kids into the studio. Now they have a place where their kids are until six o'clock at night, doing dance, eating snacks, making friends with positive people. They don't have to hire a nanny. They don't have to hire a babysitter, Um, you know, and their kid is getting to do high quality arts education. Yes. And if they're, if they're already existing clients, they already know your program and they already trust you. So it's an easy sell to get them to up to this next program. Exactly. And that's how I actually started my after-school program. And when I help other people to create after-school programs, that's how I advise them to do it. I was already running a pretty, well, actually very successful summer camp program Mm. because when I was stabbed in the back um, by the by the ballet master. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's a story in and of itself. Huh? We'll do a like whole other podcast episode get, about that. Yeah, in the back by the ballet master. Um, who done it, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I, I started a summer camp program because I was really like, how am I going to even get, you know, like I don't even have enough enrollment for the fall. So, um, so a lot of my summer camp people are the same people that could really benefit from the after-school program because they're like parents who are working, they need a place for their kids to be. So that's how I got my program started is like just going to my camp people and saying, would you be interested if I could pick your kid up at school? You know, where does your kid go to school? I started putting together a list of schools 
So out of this whole experience, not only did I come away with a passion for helping other studio owners to understand this, this process, how we need to move out of this concept of I'm selling dance classes yes. to I'm selling a whole program for your kid mm -hmm. that is going to benefit your kid in life. I'm teaching life skills to your child, you know, and then how can we create a higher end product that's a package product? Because not everybody's going to start an after school program because some people, you know, it doesn't fit in with whatever, they don't have space or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Although I honestly feel like most dance studios could do it. I mean, I did it and it, it wasn't easy in the beginning, but mm -hmm. they really, it's really pretty simple. Um, but then I said, well, how can I apply this to other things? Okay, so fast forward COVID, because I actually got invited into this podcast um, because I know you guys were looking for people who maximize their profit during COVID. Yeah. And I cannot believe that um, 2021 so far has been my best cash flow year. No kidding. Ever. Ever, wow, ever. Bonnie, that's incredible. I, I currently have $70,000 in cash reserves in the <gasps> bank that I do not need to touch. Wow. And this is not government money. This is money. This is earned money. Wow. And, this, and, and, and I lost my building in a fire in, <gasps> in, in, right at the beginning of the pandemic as well. I'm not even in my studio building. I'm in rented space. Okay, I'm going to tell you how I did. Okay, tell us how you did it. Well, first of all, let me let me let me back up a second and say and just ask like numbers wise, what did your oh, numbers wise? What did your enrollment look like pre-pandemic and what does okay. your enrollment look like now? Okay, so now I will say our enrollment is not super huge mm -hmm. and it doesn't need to be super huge because I have so much income coming in from these packaged right, yeah. programs. I basically ended up raising my prices almost doubling my prices on my regular classes. And then in addition to that, I have people paying like $7,000 a year for the after school program. Wow. So our numbers before COVID were, we had about 250 units. I call them units sure. because mm -hmm. a lot of kids are in multiple classes mm -hmm. and we currently have a little bit less than 200 units. So our units are still down. But our revenue is your up. revenue is up because you raised your yeah. prices. Yeah. Yes, yeah. because we raised our prices and we and because I use the packaging uh, methodology. Mm -hmm. So I want to explain this a little bit. But if you have other questions about the studio, I'm happy to answer them. Um, I yeah, so so you don't have a competition program. None. You're mostly recreational. Yes. Do you have any students who are like very? And you say you have a package program, so I imagine right. that means that you have students taking multiple classes that are right. pretty serious right. about their training. Right. Um, are those classes still taught with the recreational mindset, or is it more of a pre-professional situation? We have a pro well, we have what we call performance team. So, okay. so we created like a vibe for the kids that are you know wanted like have that idea of having it okay so again i i i always like to think about things like what is the thing in here that's really important to people right you know because this is another mindset that we i'm sorry that i keep venturing off into these things but no, I, just I love this. love i love talking about this i love talking about i can this. tell this is great <laughs> you know so the, this is another mindset that we as studio owners have that that we need to change if we want to be more profitable mm -hmm. which is um, 
we're we're figuring out what it is that like we're going like what's important like um and i'm not saying people shouldn't have competition teams i mean for a lot of studios that works and that's like the the brand and and the kids love it and the parents love it and the and the studio owners love it but a lot of times i think we do stuff because we love it you know like let's have a show okay really um okay let's have a show but how are we going to make that profitable like it's not just like the i mean some things just do it for the joy of it i i i'm all there you know but so what i'm trying to say is um the the pre-performance team that we started we were like well what's really important to kids about going to a competition you know if we're not taking some competition what is it that they're not getting that they might get in another studio if they did go to competition it there a lot of it is about the team bonding okay so we created this specifically with the idea of the kids being able to bond as a team they don't have to go to competition to bond as a team you know that's one route um what what else is important is the idea of like excellence of technique you know how can we support excellence of technique you know outside of competition i think a lot of times with competition it's like i know when we were doing competitions the kids would listen to those critiques and whatever and again they were on cassette tapes <laughs> that's awesome just saying um uh, but um and they go and they like you know they the guy would say you know oh point your toe and they go wow i didn't point my toe i was like how many times did i tell you that i told you that but when you hear a judge say that and when yes. you lost points because of that all of a sudden you want to point your toe right so how can we create that that energy of you know being correct and being excellent there's multiple ways to do it sure now for some studios they might choose to do it by going to competition for others they might choose to do it by having auditions to be in the nutcracker for other studios they might do it you know through peer review mm -hmm. other studios might do it just by hiring a teacher who's really you know a pushy teacher you know so there's different ways you can do it so um so yeah so that's kind of how we we do have we do have those kids um but i will say um, we have a very large body of kids under the age of 10, very large. That's great. And those kids have longevity too. I mean, right. that's the other thing, you know, they have a lot of longevity in the studio. Do so. you see, do you see a significant drop off after age, age 10 or do a lot of them continue on through high school? We do see a drop off, you know, we do see a drop off and that's actually one of my next problems that I'm going to be addressing, mm -hmm. um, you know, especially when we get back into our building, because we've had to, um, you know, we had to like adjust a lot. So here's the thing that I feel happened for me um, is I freed my mindset. You know, I totally freed my mindset. And that's why we were able to get through COVID yeah. without, without a building. Because, um, you know, the first thing I, the first thing I said to myself is, well, I'm not letting my business go down. There's right. like no way I'm not letting my business go down. And, you know, and then from that, from that point of view, it's like, not how will I, but how can I, mm -hmm. you know, how can I make this work? And let me look around and see what is needed right now. Yeah. See what's possible and see what's needed. Well, actually don't see what's possible. Just see what's needed first. Mm -hmm. And what I saw was needed is we had kids that, um, we're at home. So we were Zooming dance mm -hmm. lessons into people's houses, just like everybody 
Um, And fortunately, because we have the after school program, which we were not allowed to conduct. Right. um, You know, but um, we had built such loyalty. That's another great thing about working from this point of view of like, how can you support the parents? I have the most loyal parent base in the world. People were paying their monthly fees, even though they were their kids were on Zoom. Oh, that's beautiful. Because we asked them to. We yeah. said, you know, if you can afford to keep paying, um, then it will help us stay afloat so that when things reopen, we're still going to be here. Otherwise, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I had I decided in, you know, when the when the pandemic first hit and shutdown first happened in March, I then discounted everybody's tuition for April and May because we had to transition to online. Right. And I had several parents who said, don't discount me. Right. Don't exactly. discount me. You're still doing your job. You're still working hard. We're still benefiting from your program and we want to help you stay afloat. Please don't discount my tuition. And that was just like, oh, tears. <laughs> well, we did with some people we just if they ask us, we discounted them. Mm-hmm. You know, if, they, if we didn't, if they didn't, we didn't. And then we gave everybody a loyalty bonus in September. We gave them a free month. Oh, that's brilliant. So that way we got people to come back. <laughs> yeah, that's really smart. Yeah. So, but, um, so anyway, so we, because we have the after-school program, we're actually licensed exempt childcare. Oh, another whole story that I won't get into, but a lot of people like to know if they do, I would say that's one of the things that most studio owners are stuck on. Right. If, if I talk to them about doing the after-school program, they go, but like, do you need a childcare license? Right. You know, and I'm not a lawyer, you know, and I only know the state of California regulations. Right. And it's different state by state. It is different, but I successfully applied for an exemption and got an exemption. So oh, we're actually what's called license exempt childcare, which was great because we were allowed to have a pot of 12 kids. And right. so from that pot of 12 kids, we were able to generate revenue um, in addition to our Zoom classes. So and this then, was this was 12 kids that you had in person during the pandemic? Yes, yes, wow. through the summer. We did a summer camp. We would normally do a summer camp with 40 kids. Wow. We couldn't have 40 kids. So we were doing a summer camp with 12 kids. That's brilliant. Um, oh my gosh. So we did that. We got through the summer. We also, as I said, you know, a lot of people were still with their kids on Zoom or a lot of parents. And here was the thing. Some parents are like, my kid won't go on Zoom, but I'll still pay. Wow. You know, so we were able to do that. And then when school opened in August, last August, mm-hmm. um, a year ago, August, um, California was still on lockdown. So that's the thing. California's probably had the longest lockdown of any state right. in the United States. We were on 15 months lockdown Wow! as far as kids not being in school, nobody able to come into the dance studio, not go to a gym, not go in a restaurant, la-di-da-da. Yeah. But so when school started, I was like, okay, I was planning to do my after-school program, but the kids weren't at school. Right. Well, we can't do that. Um, everybody was getting burned out on zoom, including us. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, well, what can I do? Well, I can do a pod. I can do a pod. So what kind of pod can I do? Um, I can have 12 kids. How can I make a lot of money off of 12 kids? And at the same time, serve a need. What do the parents need? Their kids are home trying to do school on zoom. The parents are going out of their minds. So I started a distance learning camp. We did it the whole entire year. The kids came with their computers and did their whole school. In the early part of the year, we did it outside on a parking lot of a church. Oh, wow. With using our phones as hotspots. And um, 
the kids did their distance learning, then they got up and danced, then they did more distance learning, then we played games. Yeah, so we went oh, and what a great way to keep them in, in, you know, with their distance learning, with their school, but also keep them moving. Yes. Socializing. It, it was fantastic. It was that great. And such we, a need for those kids. And we built again, more loyalty. I mean, I had parents coming to me and telling me that I saved their marriage, you know, oh my because, gosh. because their kids were driving them nuts. They were trying to like work from home. Their kids were trying to do schooling. Yeah. You know, they had hyperactive boys, you know, that would, oh gosh. So anyway, so we got through all of that. And then when school opened again this year, um, the kids actually went back to school, right. praise the Lord, you know, and um, woo -woo, and uh, <laughs> we opened our after school program and we were like on a wait list immediately, like wow. we were like, sold out. Um, That's brilliant. So we've been continuing on with that. And then the other thing we did, how we raised our prices um, is we created a membership program. So here's another packaged programs. This, mm -hmm. is, this is why I'm talking about all these things, not to brag about what I did in my studio. <laughs> But just to give just to give examples of how um, different how you can raise your prices, you know, right. um, I like I have another little um, thing that I do, like I do these little talks and I do trainings for my, you know, for my studio owners that work with me. And mm -hmm. another talk I have is um, how to raise your prices and have parents thank you for it. You know, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and a lot of these are on my Facebook page too. Okay. Um, so, so, so this is it. This is how you have to do it is find things that they really need and want and put it together with your low end product. No offense to dance classes, but they're just a low end product. Mm -hmm. Not that, not that they're not valuable. They're, they're under, they're way underpriced for what they deliver. Right. Mm -hmm. Because everybody's concerned about, I can't charge $25 for a one hour class. I can't charge $30 for one hour class, but think about it in some other industries. They do. Right. They do. So um, I, again, I think that's like a mindset that we need to kind of really work on. Um, but the way I got around that or not got around it, but solved it basically is creating membership program. So the membership program, um, I, it's almost twice, a, it's almost twice as much per month as it was when people were just doing like once a week dance classes or mm -hmm. twice a week dance classes. Um, because I put things in there, like you get a free week of camp. You get a studio jacket, you get a this, you get a that, you know, so I just made all these bonuses and I created these packages that now people are willing to pay almost twice as much as they were for classes. That's brilliant. But plus it's an opt out, not an opt in. So Ooh, in other words, see, that they, is so crucial right there. Yeah, you have to that was, right. That right. was my problem that I solved the problem of everybody dropping out when the summer came. Right. Mm -hmm. I solved that by creating this membership program. Now people can still drop out. Actually, they like it better because it's like a gym membership. You, yes. you give 30 days notice and you leave, right? So what's great about that for the parents is they don't feel like I'm asking them to commit to the whole school year when they don't know if their kids even going to like the class. Or not. Right, right. Yeah. And I think that opt out versus opt in is so important. And like you said, like a gym membership where they sign up for this reoccurring or, or, or rolling membership or, you know, perpetual membership, um, as Robin likes to call it. And they have to tell you when to stop. 
not exactly. instead of every single year asking them to come back every single mm -hmm. summer asking them to register for summer classes every single fall asking them to come back for fall classes you make it so that they have they tell you when they're done not they not you asking them to return i think that's so crucial absolutely because is the learning done so that that's the thing like because we're we're building more confident kids through dance and we're you know inspiring kids with life skills and the job isn't done because it's may right <laughs> no yeah. i mean like it's like yeah like who who said it's over yeah these lessons aren't over just because yeah. school is over like that's right. not how this works <laughs> right, right right so 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 these are examples of packaged programs and Love that. and and the thing is that there's more out there I know there's more out there mm -hmm. that can be created. It's just a, it's just a question of finding out what is the problem you could solve for the parent, what is the problem you could solve for yourself as a studio owner, and then build it, and they will come. That's amazing. That's that's phenomenal. Um, so one issue that we've seen um, among studio owners and, and dance teachers is that there's um, kids are kids are feeling overwhelmed now more so than they have in prior years because they've gone from virtual school and virtual dance and virtual everything to everything back to in-person. And now they're so overwhelmed with the amount of work and with the time commitment of everything and with the time management struggles. And they are feeling a lack of inspiration and motivation to stick with dance, um, to, to, you know, be there every single week, every single day or, or whatever. And they're missing that like spark, um, that like excitement. So how have you kept your kids and your parents, um, on board with everything, given that everything right now is so overwhelming for a lot of people? Yeah. Well, I think that's one place where the membership program really helped because mm -hmm. parents know that they're not necessarily committing to like the whole school year because nobody knows what the school year looks like right you know what I mean and then nobody knows and the, and, and people are very reluctant to commit to anything you know partly because you know they don't know what's going to happen you know partly because as you said, the kids might not want to stick with it, or the kids are like getting involved in something and then go, going to something else. I think for us, you know, for me, it's a deeper psychological issue mm -hmm. with the kids that I'm seeing that, um, I don't know, this is, this is a little off the top, but it's not really off the topic because we're all facing this, right. you know, because I deeply care about the kids that are in my studio, as I know everybody does mm -hmm. above and beyond them learning dance. You know, I care about them as people yeah. and, and the kids are damaged by the pandemic. They they're really damaged. They're, they're psychologically damaged, yeah. you know, especially as I said, here in California, we were on lockdown for 15 months. Wow. Um, you know, and the kids that were in my Zoom school and my distance learning camp, um, I saw them being able to have social, you know, normal social interactions with other kids. But other kids that are now coming into our after school program that didn't have that, mm -hmm. um, they're highly. So this is one thing I noticed, especially with little kids. And I was working with my staff the other day on this, you know, because they they want a lot of mothering, like yes. from us as staff. And yes. it's not really our job to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of detrimental to, I feel, to what we're trying to do with kids to be in the role of a mother mm -hmm. with them. 
Um, and this mothering thing comes from, you know, this need for mothering comes from the fact that they've been at home with their mom for so long yeah. and they don't know how to be in a group with other kids. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to be, to share, you know, yeah. attention and time and everything. So I think whatever we can do, like I spend a lot of time talking to them about that. Um, you know, like before, after, and during the class, like mm-hmm. when I'm the teacher, um, is, you know, just like, okay, now it's somebody else's turn to talk, you know, or, um, you know, that kind of thing, like just yes. starting to reestablish these normal social, um, boundaries and n- norms that have been destroyed Yeah, by COVID. Yeah. I'm, I, I mean, not destroyed forever, but they've been impacted. Well, and it's um, like, everybody is set back a year and a half or two absolutely. years. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of my five and six-year-olds with the separation anxiety that I usually see in my three-year-olds. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So we have to, so we have to adjust our, first of all, we have to adjust our own thinking. So when you see a five-year-old, it might not be like what you normally Mm -hmm. would see in a five-year-old, right? They might be more like a four-year-old, you know, or even a Mm three-year-old, you know, in some of their emotional um, in that social emotional development. Yes, exactly, exactly. And it's up to us to rebuild that. And, but, and then the, the good news though, is that we are in an excellent position to, to help rebuild that. And again, this is part of the marketing message for the parents, mm-hmm. you know, because parents are like, if we're seeing that you can imagine what it's like for the parent right. of a five-year-old who's now trying to get their kid to go to dance class. So that kind of segues in back to your original question of how can we keep them or your first, the question before this question (laughs) was how can we keep them engaged or keep them in the studio? And the second question was what about, well, actually we went into this whole thing about the the damage that has been done to them. And I think, I think that's part of our messaging. You know, I mean, I mean, you're not going to go to a parent and say your kid is damaged. I'm going to fix it. I mean, could you imagine? No, I can't imagine doing that. And I, and and that's part of what I want to talk about while we still have some time too, is about how to, how to talk to parents about, yeah. you know, about what you can do for their kid. But, but I think that's very important that we focus on not what we want to do, mm-hmm. you know, not what we think is important about dance in our studio, but what we actually are in a position to do and what parents need us to do. So when we focus on that, it's number one, going to help the kids more because we're going to be like, okay, I'm seeing that they need more. So we're playing like more games in our classes with the little kids than we used to. Like it used to be more like, okay, you're going to learn this tap routine. The show is like, I mean, you know, it was never like totally like that, but you know, it's like, let's get the like recital. Like Mm -hmm. we did an outdoor recital. Then we did an outdoor Halloween show. Okay, so a Halloween uh, show. Yeah. How fun! Yeah, we always do a Halloween show. Oh, that's great! And, and we and this year we did it outdoors at the local school. So we handed out goodie bags with a coupon for a free class in the goodie bags. You know, so it was like marketing, and the parents loved it. But then, like you know, the person who used to run a professional dance company uh-huh. was going like. <clears throat> You know, you know, like this is not this is not up to my standards, you know. Yeah. But the person who's like, look at these kids coming out and dancing, and the parents are happy and everybody's happy, you know, 
go away because so we need to really focus on like what is important like that is way more important that the kids are out there having fun that they're interacting that they're showing what they can do um then then like oh did they spend enough time learning the dance you know because we played games in class and we didn't like practice it you know, to the point of where it was like perfect. perfect. No, right? Yeah. No, no. So, so yeah. So sh- shows like that are really a great retention. You know, engagement yeah, for sure. Because- and it, it's it's another performing opportunity. It's another community bonding a- a- opportunity. It's another tradition that you're instilling in your community. That's really great. I love that. And we did a little parade down the street too oh, to cute. get to the school. So we used to do. This is what I mean. You have to like open up your brain to do things i used to do the halloween show in my building because i have a building that's almost 100 years old it really lends itself to like the spooky and the machine and all this stuff we couldn't do any of that because we didn't have our building so we did a parade down this so this is a new tradition now because i love it we did a parade all around our district with the kids with a little um rolling speakers you know playing thriller and everybody dancing down the street in costume it was fantastic you know um, not everything is going to be the same as it was, you know, right. so that's the other thing too. Like we have to come out of this with the idea we're the creative ones, right. you know, we're the leaders, right? We're the ones that can, can adjust and, and choreograph a new, a new story in our studio. Yeah. And I think that because our, our business model is so cyclical and, and tradition based, it's so easy to get stuck in what you have been doing year after year after year. And it's so important as creatives and as people, you know, educating children to mix it up sometimes and to, you know, breathe new life into those traditions by creating new opportunities. Yes. And we can always think about what is it in that that's important? Like, cause I know I'm very emotionally attached to like the Halloween show or right. you know, the Nutcracker, or these are just things that like, you know, I'll cry if I don't have a Nutcracker, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. emotionally. but, but like, what is it that's important about it? Right. You know, what does it give my clients? Like, what do they get out of it? Yeah. Because ultimately if we're doing things in our studios that just like for our own, you know, emotional satisfaction, it's not going to sell. No, you know, because we don't understand. Now, I want to um, I want to say one little thing that I think will kind of help tie this together. Okay. Um, and this is actually tip number two from my parents love language guide. Okay. Um, connect what you do in the studio now to the future success of their children. Yes. You know, so that's what we need to be doing every moment. Like, how can this what I'm doing now? I mean, this is a marketing thing, but it's also just like a life thing. Like mm-hmm. this is this is what I believe in. I believe in creating more confident kids, more resilient kids, like future generations. Resilient. You know? What a good word to use in yeah. today's world. Resilient. Yeah. Yes. 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 So how can we take this experience that these kids have gone through and make it be a win for them? Yeah. That's great. And how are you, how are you putting that message out there? Is this in an email marketing campaign? Is this in Facebook ads? Is this, I would say it's kind of in everything that I do. I mean, I, it starts, it actually starts in the studio. It Mm -hmm. starts even with the staff, the staff, like even with my staff, it starts like 
in, in how I tell my staff to think about their jobs and to right. think about what they're doing and how we actually do things in the studio. From there, I think it, it spreads out in terms of like what we're showing the parents, you know, just mm-hmm. in, in real time, you know, up, above and beyond email and, and Facebook, all of which is great. But like when I communicate with parents, you know, about what happened that day, or let's say there's an issue with a kid, right? you know, how do we communicate with the parent in such a way like, okay, I see your kid is going through some stuff. And here's what we did to help make this be something where your child can succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, every parent loves that. Right. No parent wants and, to hear and your I think kid it's, had a bad day, you know? Right. And I think it's important to share those things with parents, even if, even if it's like the issue was resolved in the classroom and you don't need a parent's input for the problem it's important or or the or the struggle that the student is going through it's important to share those those successes with the parent because they otherwise they just don't know how you've helped their child because right, and then chances they understand. are right, and right. Then they understand the value of what you're doing chances are exactly. the kid is not going to go home and say oh you know miss bonnie helped me um, you know, regulate my emotions today. <laughs> like, you know, they're, they're not going to do that. So no, they're not. That we and, share that with them. Right. And they might give the parent actually a negative message. They might say, oh, I got in trouble today. Right. Or I cried today or whatever it was. Right. Right. So you want to, we want to make sure that we always communicate with the parents in a positive way of what's mm-hmm. happening to their kids. I love, so for, I love sending those emails that just say, you know, the subject line is like, your kid is awesome. You know, yeah. like Harper, Harper is amazing. And, yeah. and just saying like, you know, I'm so proud of Harper. She was struggling with taking turns today. And we talked about how, you know, it's how not everybody gets a chance to be the line leader and we resolved this issue and she was able to regulate her emotions. And, you know, she had a moment of frustration, but we worked together and got beyond it. And I'm so proud of her for that. And like the appreciation that the parent gives you after you share that moment with them is just amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, and then we have like a uh, student of the week, Mm. you know, and so that's like great for like Facebook posts and things like that. Like take a picture of the kid, you know, like how did they, um, you know, every month we have a different core value. So it's like, how did this child, um, you know, demonstrate Demonstrate the core value value. and we try to get like a little kid and then like an older kid, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and feature them. And yeah. And so I think, um, you know, that's, that's like, I think it's like kind of built into what you do, you know, and then of course, you know, with the emails or anytime we're communicating in email, Facebook ad, Facebook posts, or anything is like focusing on, again, the parents love language, like, you know, what's in it for my kid? And how is this going to be more convenient for me? Yes. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, and, and I'm not saying that as a negative thing on parents, I'm saying like, how can I, how can I make your life easier? Mm-hmm. You know, how can I make it so that you're more um, able to be with your child, you right. know, in those moments when, you know, those quality times, you know, so that you're not so stressed. So your kid comes home at the end of the day, they've already had physical activity. They've already done some of their homework. They've already had a snack. They've already been with friends and now they, they are, they're ready to be with you instead of you picking your kid up from school and they're running in a circle for like 
three hours while you're trying to get some housework done. You know what I mean? And then you finally sit down to a nice family dinner. You know, wouldn't it be great if you could just sit down to the nice family dinner? Yeah, that's such a good point. That's so great. Yeah, like we will wear them out and help them do their, you know, make sure they get their homework done and get that exercise and get that social interaction with with their peers. And then that way, when you get home with your kid, it's just quality time. And another thing I tell parents is like, you know, here, here's another thing I noticed, especially with parents of really young kids, you know, they don't know developmental markers, you know, right. like I, I have a master's degree in educational psychology in addition oh, to being a dance teacher. So, that's so um, cool. I studied all of this too, you know, but, um, but yeah, they don't really know what's normal for their kid. Right. You know, and then especially like with this whole thing we were talking about, about the pandemic and how mm-hmm. kids have like gone into these different behavior patterns. So, you know, they don't necessarily know that it's normal for a kid the first time they come to class to maybe just stand there and watch. if right. they're free. But that's you know? so and developmentally appropriate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had to reassure a parent the other day that her kid, what she kept saying, is my kid normal? I go, Yeah. Because I've seen thousands of three-year-olds. Right. You only have one three-year-old. Yes. You know, right? Yes. So so parents, again, they, they don't necessarily know everything that there is to, I mean, not that I know everything there is to know, but right, we are- right. really But you've been an educator longer than they've been a right. parent. And exactly. so you have that experience and that knowledge to share with them, to reassure them, to help them, you know, know that, you know, their kid is normal and their kid is on track. Yeah. And that's why I think it's important how we present ourselves too. you know, Mm -hmm. this is another piece to the marketing and the raising the prices and all of that is like when we present our like I always say I'm a dance educator. I don't say I'm a dance teacher. You know, we are dance educators. And so we have this range of experience that we can use. So that's why it's really important, um, even in Facebook ads or wherever that we're presenting this like this is a um professional environment for empowering and inspiring, you know, more resilient, more confident kids. Oh, I love that. Yes. That's such good phrasing. (laughs) Well, Bonnie, I think we can wrap it up there because that is so much information. And I think I'd love to have you back to talk about more specifically about your after school program if you're if you're down to talk details on that. Oh, on I that. would love to. Okay, I would cool. love to because um, you know, now I'd like to put um should I put this in the chat so people sure. can get this guide? Yeah. Okay. And I think you're gonna also put this on your Yeah, um, I'll put it in the show notes. So this is so Bonnie, tell us a little bit about this guide that you've created and right. how it can help studio owners. Right, exactly. Okay, so let me just make sure I spelled everything correctly. Yes, so um, you need to put the www, if people are searching for it, okay. make sure you put www.parentsloveLanguageGuide.com. Okay. This is just like a seven-page PDF that I created. Um, what is in this is, I gave one tip, my tip number two about connecting what you do in the studio now with the future success of the parent, of the child. Um, there's seven tips in there, I think. I have examples of what I call benefit-driven language. So benefit-driven language are some of these words I've been using. So instead of saying, you know, our class is offered, you know, every evening at five o'clock, you could say, um, we create more resilient kids, you know, through the power of imagination. 
you know, doesn't it sound better? Yes, <laughs> to it a does. No, they don't care. It's at five o'clock. They'd go at five in the morning for that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so um, so just speaking, you know, using words, phrases you should use, phrases you shouldn't use. I have examples in there of things that I actually put on my website. Right. Emails. Um, I have what I call a nurture email sequence that I send out to people so that when they join, they get like kind of indoctrinated into you know, what is our philosophy? What can you expect? Um, so I've included examples of that in the guide. It's a short little guide, but um, I think it's a good place to start to think about, um, are you really speaking the language that parents understand, which is what's in it for my kid and is it convenient for me? Um, so please get the guide if you're if you're a studio owner, because it couldn't hurt, you know, you get one good idea. Yeah, um, and I would love to come back and talk about specifically about the after school program, because it is, as I said, it's a it's it's a program I and I do help people build after school programs. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, I do do that. I have a business called Studio Mastery Academy where people can learn to do these packages. And um, but aside from that, I think it's something that people are very scared of because they don't know how to do it. Um, uh, it's not a a standard piece of a dance studio business model. No. And there's some places you can really go wrong, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I mean, not wrong to where it's going to fail, but wrong to where you're not going to maximize. Like Mm -hmm. my first year, I really, um, I didn't lose money, but I did, I didn't make as much money as I did in subsequent years because of some things that I was doing that I had to tweak. So, um, it's a really great, it's a really, but it's a really great service to the community. I mean, we've brought boys in, you know, people say, how can you get boys in the studio? Mm, this is the way to get boys because, great. because parents, they're like, and, and we've got kids in there that never would have been in a dance studio. You know, they, ne- they never would have been there, but then they come in and they go like, wow, I'm really good at this. I like this. This is cool. You know? So yeah. So I'm happy to come back. Yay. This has been a blast, Casey. I, I, I appreciate you bringing me on and Absolutely. Um, I'm wishing everybody out there to, um, you know, to just go out and do this because you can do it. You know, I, I, I build more confident kids and also build more confident studio owners. Yes. You know, because we, we are really changing kids' lives uh, one dance step at a time. And Keep doing what you're doing. Awesome. Well, we like to end on a happy note here on the podcast. So if you could share with us a heart happy moment, something that has just really lit you up on the inside in the last week or so. So do you have a Okay. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I think what has lit me up this week is, you know, one of our, our littles who, you know, was really having a hard time to... Um, to share, you know, I talked about this a little bit mm-hmm. earlier and then um, her actually saying, oh, you know, it's so-and-so's turn. Oh, now. that's so, so great. She was the one who recognized that it was somebody else. Oh, turn. what a milestone. I hope you shared that with her parents. I did. Good. I did. And Good. That's amazing. Very, was very proud. Good so for you. Yeah, I think my my heart happy moment this week was, um, well, I I have two of them. I had a staff meeting just yesterday where I finally got all of my staff together. Um, We had we had some of us in person and some of us joined on Zoom, but everybody was there and we did a whole session on childhood development because that's my that's my nerd moment there. I love childhood development. 
Um, but we also talked about what we're going to be doing this week, which is through the National Honor Society for Dance Arts, which is called um, Love Your Body Week. And so we talked about what activities we're going to be doing in the studio. And then we had our staff do one of the activities. And so that was really cool to cool. have oh, them cool. do one of the activities too. Um, and then another heart happy moment was I took my, um, my company, my performance company dancers to a convention last weekend. And I have one student who struggles with anxiety and she's been having a really hard time just coming to class even, but she came to the convention and she rocked it out. She did oh, such yay. a great job. She got out there. She did everything. She tried her best. She really did a wonderful job in the classes and she did not let her, she definitely was having some anxiety about the event, but she didn't let it hold her back. And it was just so beautiful. That's great. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, well, that's just great. I know. It was so beautiful to see. Well, Bonnie, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been so much fun to chat with you and I can't wait to talk to you some more. Um, okay. Great. And we'll see you in the DSO Connect community group. And yes. thank you so much for, for being a part of the community. Absolutely. Okay. Well, great. Thanks, Casey. Thanks for having All me. Right. Have a great Thank you so much. You too. Bye-bye.